verses 12 to 24. 12 to 24. You know, we're, we're coming into the holiday season, aren't we? When you're going to be preparing your guest list for Christmas and for Thanksgiving and for other celebrations you might have. And I want us to be gospel-minded in even how we do that. So Luke 14, I want to give you some um, historical or background information that will help this make sense. The, the context really explains what's going on there. It, Christ is, he's got his nose set to the cross, you might say. He's heading in that direction. And as he goes, he's lamenting the city of Jerusalem and God's people. Chapter 13, verse 34. Let me read that to you. The city that kills the prophets. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers the brood under her wings, but you would not. So you can tell his heart's broken that his people will not come to him as a Messiah. Now fast forward chapter 14. We're on to the Sabbath. And a religious Pharisee asked Jesus to come into his home and have a meal to dine. Jesus takes the opportunity to wake them up spiritually. And in the process, he offends everybody that's there. He starts by healing a man on the Sabbath, which many of the Jews thought was unlawful. So he offended the religious class there. Then he rebukes the guest for seeking the best seats. So apparently they come and they wanted the positions of honor. And he goes on about that. And then he rebukes the host for the people he invited and those that he did not invite. But he saves his corrections and his rebukes, the best that is, for last. As a man who seems to be trying to keep the peace here in this, you can sense an awkward dinner happening he says this, Blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. Implying that we will all be part of God's kingdom in the end. So let's just have peace here. And Jesus then goes into the banquet parable that we're going to be talking about today. And he says salvation is like a banquet. Everything it's ready. It's finished. And it's offered to everybody who will come. And he closes by saying, it's not just any banquet, it's my banquet. That God is preparing salvation through me. And my guest list will be very different than you expect. So if you would, please read with me in Luke chapter 14. I'll start around verse 12 and we'll read down. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do you invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid? But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once 
gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excuse. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Please pray with me. Oh God, what a parable of salvation. Jesus' banquet. Salvation is his banquet, which he has prepared. We are his servants. We are your servants in your house. And you call us to go out to the highways, to the hedges, and to invite the people, Lord, the lame, the blind, the broken, the hurting, to come. Come into feast. Come into the master's house. God, what a privilege and a joy it is, oh Lord. God, we want to be gospel-minded men and women, Lord. Give us the grace, give us the eyes to see and hear your word and your Holy Spirit speaking now. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody have any bubble gum? I could just stick this thing on the back of my ear. Kids, if you got any gum, just come on up. Sorry about that. Years ago, I was backpacking through Asia, and uh, I was walking and fishing on a small river, and you could see, it was just outside the Gobi Desert, and, and you could see forever. And I could see this downpour, this summer downpour coming and coming quickly. And there was nothing out there. You know, you can imagine the Gobi. I was just on a river. And so as I began to pick up my pace, I saw a yurt or a gear about a mile away. It's just a felt tent. And so I literally just started sprinting with my backpack on. And the rain was coming quickly. And I got there just in time. And it looked deserted, which that's not too uncommon in the summer times there. And there were no horses around, no cars, no vehicles. And so I just knocked on the door, right? And it swung open, and inside it was filled, filled with well-dressed herdsmen. Very well-dressed. You might say they had their Sunday best on. I didn't really realize what I'd walked into, but I came in. They all looked at me like, what is this? 
I sat down, and of course they gave me a cup of tea. And not knowing what was going on, I felt incredibly awkward. Like, what am I doing in this place? Well, within a few minutes, I realized that I was at a funeral, and I was the only one that was not invited to be there. I was not addressed appropriately. I probably didn't come bearing an appropriate gift. I dug out of my bag an old chocolate bar, handed it to them. They looked at it like, oh, thanks. It was awkward. And as soon as the rain stopped, I thanked them and was on my way down the river. Now, sometimes, my friends, that's how people feel when they think of the church or they think of Christianity. Or they might think of coming to worship here at First Presbyterian Church. They might feel that they're not invited to that party, to that banquet. And certainly not just as they are. In Luke 14, Jesus is describing the kingdom of God. And he describes it like an amazing banquet feast. That the host has prepared it all. It is finished. Everything's there. You need not bring anything. But when the guests are invited, they all make excuses and trite excuses. Of course, the problem really is they don't love and they don't value the host. They don't want to be there. He then sends his servants out of the city to the highways and the hedges, to the world, you might say, to the factories, the fields, the slums, to compel people to come to the banquet just as they are, with nothing in their hands, with the dirt under their fingernails, needing nothing, because everything that they might need has been provided. Now for us, there's two distinct messages that are connected here. First is, as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus sends you into the highways and the byways to tell people the banquet is ready, salvation is accomplished, come, And come just as you are. Salvation is by grace alone. It is the work of Christ alone. It is for the dirtiest, most broken of people. Come just as you are. The second message is when you have a feast or a party, don't just invite your friends and your family, but invite the poor, invite the outcasts, invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, Those, in other words, who have nothing to give you, nothing to offer. Those who the world looks down upon. You see, these, you might say, these two things can be one and the same. Let me explain. One explains how to do the other. So, how do you compel people and show them the gospel? That come as you are, Jesus has done it all. Well, 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, right? So, put these two things together. You are called to take the gospel, the good news of Christ, to the highways and hedges. And I would say you're also called to be gospel-minded in how you have your celebrations, how you have your dove shoots, or how you have your bridge club meetings, whatever that might be. You need to put those two things together. They're not separate. They're one and the same. Be gospel-minded. Show the gospel to people and who you invite. Invite those who have nothing to offer you in return. Feel like they shouldn't be there. And see, in so doing that, in the grace that you show them, 
you are showing them the grace of Jesus Christ. You are showing them, I am the one that was found under the highways and the hedges. That was me. I have been brought into the banquet of the high king. And now, I'm inviting you here. You need not bring anything so that you might get a visual picture of the grace of the gospel of Christ. So even our celebrations, our meals, our beach trips, our dove shoots, are to be about the gospel and to reveal His glory when we consider the gospel in our guest lists. So here's the main idea today. Live to entreat people to come to the finished banquet of salvation. Live to entreat people to come to the finished banquet of salvation. Now a man turns to Jesus and says, blessed is everyone who would eat bread in the kingdom of God. You can Here in his voice, he's a peacemaker. He's wanting to keep the peace in this situation. And so he quotes Isaiah 25, all right? A a statement that everybody would agree upon. That's what he's hoping, that salvation will be like a great banquet. And everybody would say yes, and they would get in to get stuck into their eating. And Jesus says, well, you're making a great presumption. Yes, Isaiah 25, it is a great banquet, but you're making a presumption that you will be there. (laughs) Two things we want to see first. God's banquet feast. God's banquet feast. Look in your Bibles with me at verse 16 and 17. I'll read that once more. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've been married. I've just married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I want you to notice something. There's two invitations here. You need to catch that to understand what's going on. The, The reference here is to a feast where the best things are provided. It's Isaiah 25, verses 6 and 7. Let me just read that. This is what Isaiah 25 says. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich, full, of marrow, of aged wine well refined. Now, a banquet in ancient times was a symbol of salvation. And so when Isaiah talks about a banquet like that that the Lord is going to make, People would understand that he's talking about salvation, a time of rejoicing. So he's combining, you'd have a banquet in a time of harvest, and God, in many places, including Isaiah 25, says that's what salvation is going to be like, a banquet. Well, God is the host. Jesus says, yes, salvation is a banquet, and God is the host. And in this banquet of salvation, he sent out two invitations. The early invitation and the late invitation. The early invitation in those days would always be sent out to get a head count. We kind of do something like that too, don't we, with our RSVP cards. Hey, if you're coming to my party, please RSVP so I know how much squash casserole to fix, right? That's kind of the early invitation. And then the second invitation is sent out when it's time for the party. Hey, the party's tonight. The squash casserole's been picked. It's been peeled. It's been boiled. It's been... Slice, dice, pop, whatever you do with it, it's ready to eat. 
come to the banquet. Notice those words. And invited many. And when the time came, he sent the servant to say to everybody, it's ready, the second invitation, you see? He's saying the message of the Old Testament and the prophets was the first invitation. It was sent out to the Jews, of course, to prepare people for the Messiah. The second invitation is the Messiah is now here, and he is preaching the kingdom of God. Come to me. Luke 4.42, this is exactly what Jesus did. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues. Now you need to notice their response. The response, verses 18 to 20. Notice they began to make excuses. And when you make an excuse on the second invitation, it's the greatest of insults. It's an incredible insult. To accept an invitation to a banquet, to allow the host to prepare all the food. And when the servant arrives and says, come, the master has prepared everything, and you make an excuse, it's nothing but an intentional insult. Notice the excuses and how ridiculous they are. One bought a field and needed to see it. Has anybody ever here bought a piece of land or a house and not seen it? No, of course, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, it's ridiculous back then, too. And the second, he bought five yoke of oxen, and now he needs to go examine them. Has anybody here ever bought a used car, and then after you purchase it, you go and examine it? Well, no, of course not. It's no different there. And the third, the man just got married. Well, there's no better place to introduce a new wife than a banquet. Here's the point. To long for, to look for, to hope for, to pray for God's Messiah or Savior to come, which is what the Jews had been doing, claiming to be part of the covenant, the first offer, and then when he comes to reject him like they did Jesus, because you love your oxen, your farm, your wife, your theology, whatever it was too much, is the greatest insult to God and brings God anger. Charles V and the Duke of Venice, they were in his palace. Well, Charles V had the Duke of Venice in his palace, and he, he was showing him his earthly paradise, you might say all the things that he had. And the duke, after seeing everything, did not admire the treasures like he expected. The duke turned to Charles V, and in all seriousness, he said this, these are the things which make us unwilling to die. He's saying, it is the fleeting pleasures of the world that make so many unwilling and full of excuses to die to ourselves and to follow Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he's describing there. But notice, in God's kingdom, there is no vacuum. Verses 21 to 23, if you look at that, we'll read it once more. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir... What you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. To the streets, to the lanes in the city. He sends the servant first into the city to invite the poor, the 
crippled, the blind, the lame, which means the gospel was to be preached to the Jews first in the streets of Jerusalem, not just the religious class, but the fishermen on the lake, the prostitute in the street, that they may know that God's banquet of salvation is not just for the religious class, but it's for everyone to come to Christ. Now verse 23, there's still room. (laughs) Well, go out to the highways and to the hedges and compel people to come to my house, that my kingdom may be filled, he's saying. You and I are the highways and the hedges. None of us are Jewish, probably, unless you've got that spit test that says you're 2% or whatever. More than likely, you're not. You see, the gospel was taken outside of the city where people don't know the master. They don't know the promise. They don't know the first invitation. They don't know anything of his kindness. And so the scriptures say they must be compelled. They must be entreated. Why? Because they're not dressed appropriately. They're dirty. They don't know the goodness of God. They can't believe he would invite them to such a feast that it's all been done and treat them like friends while not wanting anything in return. My friends, this is exactly how the gospel went out into the world, isn't it? Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes with you and you'll be my my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and on to the ends of the earth. I, I have a good friend from Saudi Arabia and... We were talking one time, and he said, when I was younger, there was a great feast, and because of my high religious status in Saudi, I was invited to be the head of that feast. And they roasted a a whole lamb, which was very expensive. And everybody was gathered around, and he said, but deep down in my heart, I had bitterness towards his family because of something that one of their children had done to me years earlier. And so as everybody's feasting, I reach in and I grab the eyeball of the lamb and pluck it out. And when I do, I throw it over my shoulder. And suddenly everybody is shocked. Because in that culture, that is the greatest insult. And what you're saying is what the host has put before you is not fit for me to eat. Bring it away and bring me a new lamb. And everybody has to wait for hours for it to be cooked. You see, it was the greatest shame placed upon the man who was hosting the banquet. And my friends, that's exactly what's happening here. Jesus Jesus finishes by looking at the man and saying, It is my banquet. And to reject me and my love for you is to reject and anger God the Father. I am the accomplished salvation that God told you about in the first invitation that was coming. Now, my friends, in our culture today, the chief reason I hear from people who reject the gospel message is not that they don't believe Jesus could be the Son of God or maybe he could have died and risen again, but they don't see Christ as any sort of banquet for them of their salvation or of their satisfaction. 
So the response is often, I just can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. Now, I want to ask you, is Jesus Christ God's great banquet to you? Is that how you see him? What I mean is, not just a banquet of salvation, that he has done it all for you. You need to bring nothing but a banquet of satisfaction while you're here on this earth. And then if not, why do you not see Jesus as the banquet of God's satisfaction for me, my great portion? And I think it's because we've made the mistake of reducing the gospel to a very singular message and not seeing and beholding all of Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean. Think about a friend of yours, a close friend, and a real confidant. But the problem is with this confidant, they have one message for you, and every time you ask them something, they only say one thing to you, I love you. That's all they can say. You think the relationship might be a bit weird, but you're, you're committed to it. So you go to this friend and you say, hey, what do you think about me dating this lady? And he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you go, well, I mean, that's really good. I'm so glad that you love me, but that's not real helpful right now. So some weeks later, you come back to him and you say, listen, um, would it honor my parents if I pointed out some of their failings in parenting me? I love you. Great, I'm so glad that you love me, but what about, okay, thank you. Or, what if you come to him and you say, I'm really confused, should my child play competitive sports on Sunday? I love you. You see, here's my point. Any relationship or marriage or friendship is so much more than just I love you, right? And to stop there makes a very small and tiny, intimate-less relationship. But the Holy Spirit came to you, went in the highways and the heavens, and through a messenger compelled you to come to Jesus. And I want to encourage you, you can't stop with just, I love you. Jesus is God's banquet, not just to save you from first to last, but to satisfy you in this world. And you can't just eat the drumsticks on the table, you see? In the same way, a banquet is much more than just drumsticks, so Jesus in the gospel is much more than just, I love you. And when you approach him with a humble, repentant heart, wanting to learn, follow, and be transformed by Him, you will find Jesus to be the great satisfaction of your life. So what I'm telling you is, yes, eat the drumsticks of God loves you. Yes, eat the drumsticks of His grace is sufficient for you. But don't just stop there. Eat all the glory of Christ. Enjoy all of Him that God has set before you, not just to save you, but to satisfy you in this world. Here's the second thing. Let's move from God's banquet to your banquet feast, verse 12 to 14. If you'll look in your Bibles with me, verse 12 to 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, 
When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, when I read that, I first asked, does that mean I can't invite my mom to Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> is that what that's saying? And I know my mom listens to our podcast, and so the answer is no, mom. That's not what it's saying. It, but what he's saying is, let me give you a quote from John Calvin. He is distinguishing between civility and charity. It's right for me to invite my mom, but it's also right for me to show charity. L let me explain. Look at those words. Lest they invite you in return and you be repaid. You see, it's not a call to treat friends and relatives like strangers. That's not what he's saying here. But for many, their love of people and hospitality ends. It begins and it ends in their inner circle. So that loving people is not really generosity, it's just a commodity exchange where we give one thing and they expect something in return. And Jesus is saying it is easy to love and help people who can help us back, have something to offer us like business connections or, or children we want our children to be around or people who give us great stimulating conversation or maybe people that you just want to respect and love you more. So sure, you may feast with your friends and neighbors, but you can't stop there. That's where you start. Now, verse 13 and 14, your Bibles. Notice what it says there. Because they cannot repay you. So we have to expand our guest list. Here is the heart of what he's saying. Love and serve people in a personal way who can do nothing for you in return. When we say, I can't be bothered, often what we mean is they don't have anything to give me in return or anything that I want. So, what does that mean? It means you need to have parties, you need to have dove shoots, you need to have Christmas celebrations, you need to have Thanksgiving feasts to the glory of Christ and the gospel. It was Christ who came into the world full of people who have nothing to give Him. Do you see that? Who are spiritually poor and crippled, blind and lame. And He gave His life to heal our spiritual poverty and crippledness and blindness and lameness. And my friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are also His banquet messengers to the highways, and to the hedges of our world. And the heart of the gospel message is just that. Through Jesus, it has all been prepared for you. It is finished. It is free. It is by grace. You don't need to bring anything. You cannot repay anything. You are saved by faith alone. Come. And we speak this message in a very compelling way, not just with the words of our mouth, but in our guest list. In loving, sinful, and broken people who have nothing to give us, 
to simply show them the banquet of Jesus' salvation. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we want to be a gospel-driven church, and that starts with knowing that you've saved us. Everybody who here is saved by grace through faith, those believers here, you've saved us. You, you came to us when we were out in the highways and the hedges, out in the world, and you invited us to this banquet that Christ, it's the banquet of his death. Now we sit at the table, adopted as your family, and we enjoy that banquet, the banquet of Christ, Lord. And yet at the same time, you send us out into the world with the same message. God, and I pray that one of the ways we would apply that is our guest list would emulate your guest list. Lord, that we would be intentional, not of excluding those people that we love, Lord, but intentional with eyes to see people who are excluded, people who are broken, people who are outcast, people who have nowhere to go, Lord, and we would bring them into our homes, Lord, our fun, our fellowship, oh God, to show them the gospel. We don't want anything from them, Lord. Oh God, give us the grace, the strength to be brave and to do that with eyes and let your glory be seen. In Jesus' name, amen. Could I ask the elders to come forward now? And we'll take the Lord's Supper.